1: Hey guys, we are about to get into a great episode of Talking Metal with Tommy London and Dave Ellefson, so stay tuned for that, I'm excited for you to hear this show, there's some really great stuff in it. I did want to say that Dave Ellefson's, uh cell phone line was not the best connection, it's a half hour interview, so if you get into it and you're like, listen, I can't deal with uh, the the... Bad quality of the cell phone connection Just skip ahead Like 30 minutes And you'll hear the rest of the episode Having said that I tried my best to clean it up And make it work for you And again David is such a legend In the heavy metal world I really Give it a chance I really hope you can listen to it And On that note Let's get started Oh wait Before we do that Let's mention All our patrons Who make this show happen Every week Adam Marr Anthony Mackie Brad Dahl Dan Gurwan Drake Emma Clayton Fred Roots Jerry from Long Island Gregory Jace, uh, no, James Bennett Jason Seth Jay Vaninsky, Jean-Francois Blas Blas, right? Uh, let me Yeah, Blas Jean-Francois Blas Joe Ryan Hey, Joe John Bovari, Kenny McCrimmon Leo from Alaska Matt Carroll Metal Dan Metal Dan I know you did have some requests uh, for interviews and I did send you a direct message on Patreon about that I don't know if you saw that but let's, let's talk uh, Michael Street Mike Jones David S. Gray Patrick Schwartz Richard Langrid Ron Embody, Steve Hoker Sam Soupy and last and definitely not least Steven Saylor a guy who's really helped uh, get us some great interviews through the years. So, Stephen, thank you for all your work and your continuing contribution to Patreon. To all you guys, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, a Happy New Year. We got the Talking Metal Best of the Decade episode coming up real soon. It's a a massive, like, two-hour episode. I'm trying to edit it and get it up to you before the end of the year. Anyways, here we go. Talking Metal, episode 800- forty-two. Is that right? Eight hundred and forty-two. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids. Mark Striegel, and I'm here on the Lower East Side in the uh, Remedy, right? Remedy, Remedy Diner. Remedy Diner with Tommy London. Tommy, hey. how are you, man? I'm
2: great, man. How are you?
1: I'm um, awesome. We're going to have some lunch here in a bit, but uh, before we do that, I want to talk to you about what's going on with you, which is always a lot. And we just heard some classic Megadeth, and before we spend some time with Tommy London, we're going to get right into an interview right now with Dave Elveson of Megadeth fame. So let's check that out. And then we'll be right back to talk with Tommy London. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast. And what an honor, back on the show after a number of years, uh, David Ellefson. How are you, David? I am doing well, Mark. How are you, my friend? I am good. And as always, you are such a busy guy. There's so much stuff going on and we'll, we'll try to talk about a lot of it. But as a Megadeth fan, as a enormous judas priest fan i i just have to start off talking about what you did a little over a month ago i think it was with the legendary guitar player kk downing i saw the youtube clips which i know never do justice to a live performance but they sounded so good i mean kk is back can you talk a little bit about your jam with him your show with him
3: Sure, 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 sure. Well, yeah, I mean, it did sound good. It's funny, we actually hired Tony, uh, who's on your maiden's uh, sound guy, to come in and mix the show. So yeah. Oh wow. It, it probably did sound pretty good, <laughs> even through a a phone camera, you know, and a microphone. It probably sounded pretty good in the house. But um, yeah, we had a good team there for that. And, you know, the way it all started is I had a little run of dates about a week and a half, two weeks um, across Switzerland and Italy that were. Uh, already in place for uh, early November, and my book publisher for my new book, More Life with Death, was on Press, and they're based up in the UK. So I thought, you know, I need to get up to uh, at least London and do a, a book signing, right? A store, whatever, you have a Barnes and Noble, whatever, something, you know. Um, so I hit uh, I hit KK on I an mean, email you because know, he was kind enough to give me a really fun, cool story and some. Comments in the book
1: in the new book, right?
3: Not only is it yeah, not only is it me telling the story. I, I, I'm I'm a collaborator, so I like to get my friends involved. And, you know, music's more fran- more fun when all your friends are there with you, there with
1: you. Absolutely.
3: So, so I got Dan from Disturbed and Brian Corn and Mark Slaughter and you know KK and you know some of my buddies, you know, even some childhood friends I grew up with um, that moved uh, with me. Uh, from Minnesota to LA, met Dave, started of maybe back from Minnesota. Dave. So that story is told in the book. And it's really cool, especially for my friend Greg Handover, you know, who um, talked about that. So as I was preparing to do this uh, tour, um, which was, was as much a book promotion uh, and also a solo tour on my new solo album, Ellison's and Giants, um, I hit KK and I said, Hey, I know you've got your venue, the KK Field Mill. I said, Where is it? Big is it? What is it? So you, you know, would, would you have a date available that that I could come in and do a book signing? And and Kiki's book just came out last week or last year rather the um, uh, heavy duty days and nights of Judas Priest. And I asked him, I said, you know, maybe maybe if you want, we could do a you know book signing, two of us, if you still want to promote your book, or, right? So them open to anything. And so that was where the whole idea started. Then I was like, well, you know, maybe. Tell you what, if you want your band to come in, you know, he said, "I'll, you know, if you like, I could jump on stage and play a song at the end." And you know, that's where it all started. So the whole thing kind of just kept building. And then, of course, right around this time, K.K. had gone out and played at uh, Bloodstock um, with Ross he the joined, Boss. yeah. He was, he was, yeah, he He was, He got invited to go pick up an award, and then you know they said, "Hey, as long as you're here, you should play." <laughs> so I think that, that's kind of the story of KJ's life. It's like, hey, you know let's hang out. Hey, by the way, why don't we play a song? You know? And, and I mean, that take me down, you know, it's like, scrap your guitar on, let's grab, you know? And, and so, you know, the bloodstock thing hit the news wire pretty big. And, and, um, and you can tell KK, like in his own words, he said, Hey, I, I've tasted blood, you know, like I, I, today. I want more of this. And, and it's awesome. And I know that feeling. And I think that's kind of what KK and I have, um, friends uh you know we were buddies like one been we on two years back but we've become like, like good friends like, you know we had a phone call yesterday and you know we talked now we're, we're like being in a band together you know um I guess in some way we probably are now um and um you know so the dialogue just continued and then you know we got on the phone and yeah. um the idea was like, look, why don't we bring Ripper over? <clears throat> and then Ripper got on the phone, and Ripper was like, look, why don't we go Les Binks? And I'm like, holy cow, dude, Les Binks is still out playing? Because, you know, Les was the drummer of a really, really when I was introduced to Judas Priest through On uh, Least and Eve, how many and in class those records that were drummers, that 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 So um, to me, you know, Judas Priest is one of these bands who they've always had incredible drummers, got Travis, Collins, and he's good to writing in the wind, first class things, Cider You know, these very yeah. big moments, you know. Right. So uh all of a sudden I'm like, holy cow, dude, this is now we're talking, like this is you know so suddenly it turned into like, you know, I'll play my solo show and then we'll basically do, you know, He was Priest two <laughs> <laughs> uh, And Uh KK well, you know, he called it the mega priest. He called it mega priest, you know, like uh, right you know mother Beth and judas priest like you know uniting have won and and so it was it just really was just born out of fun and excitement and and um and yeah it was it was great and you know the show came off really really well and of course that always leads to hey do you want to do that again and so you know those are the discussions now i mean we've we've actually have offers on the table from promoters wanting us to go out and play so we're you know, just, uh, we're at, candy. you know, Katie and I haven't talked about that now, but, um, you know, when, where, how much, how little, you know, what should we, what should we do with this? So, um,
1: I, I, w- I will say as a fan, I, I think there would be a tremendous draw uh, seeing KK play live again in, in this country, in the United States. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen with Judas Priest. So if it can't happen there, man, to have Dave Elfson on stage with him, along with Les Banks and Ripper Owens or people like that. Wow. I will be at that show if you guys can make it happen in New Jersey or New York, I tell you.
3: I appreciated it. And, you know, it's funny because that's, those are exactly the conversations. I mean, as soon as we did it, everybody's like, oh my, like, when can we get this? Like, you know, um, everybody from, you know, you and, in, in, you know, a friend and also a media outlet, but also promoters and people who just, you know, I was just out in South America and, um, doing my, my day story solo tour down there. And every promoter told me, said, hey, when you and KK are ready to go, let me know. I'll send you the offer. I mean, it's just like, it's, so it's just, I mean, it's revved up. It's at the start line. The engine's on. All we got to do is hit the gas, you know. And it's great. Right on. So, so it, it, it's yeah. It's it's super cool. And and those are like fun moments, you know. It's just it's just what a what a what a fun moment in life, you know, to to have something like
1: that. Absolutely, and I I do want to touch upon your your album you mentioned and and the new book. Can you let's let's start with the album? Can you fill us in a little bit on that?
3: Sure. Um, you know, so last year, uh, 2018, we, we we finished up the last Megadeth show of the Dystopia tour uh, in Buenos Aires, Argentina, Mexico, in November 2017. And the, the idea was, hey, we're gonna shut down 2018. We'll go in and write and record a new album and be ready for action in 2019. So that was, the, you know, the plan. And, um, as things went along, we ended up going out We did about eight weeks of touring with Megadeth, um, two thousand eighteen, uh crush Europe, because you know we're we're kind of in this new era where um, you know Megadeth work isn't just predicated on oh if you have a new album we'll we'll give you the tour. I mean now we've been around long enough, and our um, catalog is such that you know we can go tour and do shows you know, without without new music. Right, new music helps, of course, because it sort of sets the whole cycle up and you know, kind of puts you out there for another three years. But so that was the plan, um, and of course, <laughs> um, you know, the, we cleaned out the vaults on the Studio album. I mean, there wasn't one riff left over. You know, I mean, we really you know, cleaned the corners. And, took the best of the best of the best to make that album. So two thousand eighteen was really everything started from scratch I and mean, we started to put ideas together and you know, collaborate on getting ideas. <clears throat> you know, a handful of songs started to develop but, but not not ready for an album yet. So, you know, my partner, Tom Heiser he said he goes, Look, we you know we've got some time off coming up, like let's let's get busy. Why don't you start writing a new book? Um, and that's what started it. So I started writing More Life with Death and was um, really good collaborator because I think my first book, My Life, was actually largely a story of um, things that I hadn't really talked too much about. You know, faith, sobriety, family, um, you know, kind of more just private lifestyle things.
1: Right. right? So,
3: you know, I always admired bands like ACDC. You never, even Iron Maiden, Rush, these guys, you know, until they made like their movies, like the Iron Maiden and the Rush movies, they like you didn't even know these guys, you know, they were just rock stars, you saw them on the stage, but their private lives were very private, and I, and I kind of admired that, especially when you see, you know, everything lands on social media, and every time you go to Starbucks, everybody knows, and yeah. you know, all that, so it's, it's almost too yeah. much yeah. sometimes, yeah, it's almost too much, I agree, you know, and I know Metallica, of course, they had cameras following them around everywhere, doing everything, and you know, I think we all admit it. It kind of bit them in the ass a little bit on mm-hmm. anger, you know. And and even they pulled it back. You know, you can tell they pulled it back. And, and and I like that because, you know, even me, I'm a fan, and and I I like my rock stars. You know, I and um, you know, part of part of celebrity is, you know, you can't get all of it. You Get to see a little bit, but you know, see all of it. Kill a little leg, but not too much. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think there's an art to that. And um you know, so with the books I'm I'm cognizant of that mindset and so the moral life of that comment I like, what, you know, as we started writing it, you know, it was we talking about the record label and, you know, coffee company and things that people kind of already know about. It. And where we really hit a sweet spot with it was was when we started talking about how we acquired the combat name and relaunching Right records because what that did is that took the story of more Life of Death all the way back to the origins of 1900, how it started, and that's when I got my friend, Greg Canovic, and another childhood friend of mine, Doug, Mark, and Park, we moved from Minnesota to LA together, and me and Greg lived in the same apartments. and that day, he was probably six, maybe eight weeks out of Metallica at that point. you know. He was, scratch around Hollywood to see who's there. they push the stuff, whatever. He he Dave was really kind of unsure. He always told me we'd be driving around in the van and he'd say, You know, this music thing doesn't work. I think I'm just gonna go in the computer. Right. Look at him like, Well what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> You're a rock star. Come on, you know. But I get it, you know, there's that you know, we all have that insecurity of, you know, do they still want do they still want me? You know, do the audience still want to hear me? Well, i get it but uh i my feeling and not being dave shoes that okay, this this thing that we're working on this is just to investment success you know dave and i especially poured our lives into it and, and so that i got to tell that part of our journey in more life with death especially as then it transitioned into combat records and like telling there's business and uh, how that then transitioned us over to some so capital records, and six, and, You know that that's largely you know the '80s are largely an untold period of the megadeth story because you know once we hit uh, uh, count, you know a rest in peace, you know suddenly you know metal was pretty popular. You know the headbangers ball was when we most of the big magazines like Hip Parader and Circus and stuff were, were you know those were big mainstream. Magazine by the grocery store. Suddenly, us and college, and a we were you know, for, you know, featured a lot in those magazines. So, a lot of the kind of the 90s, you know, so current day, you know, our live shows are on YouTube. And, right. you know, there's a lot of that, that story's, you know, it's mostly been told. So, I really relished in getting into this early days. And while we were, uh, one of the things that Tom and I did in 2018, is we created this platform called Base Stories. Um, which was kind of, the idea of it originally was kind of taking like a, a a base clinic, which you would probably go to like a Sam Ash or a Carson or music store to see. And those things have largely gone away because they're mostly right. sponsored by your by your endorsement. In my case music, Jack Bars, And it just the, the, the kind of the climate of clinics and music stores has largely gone away. And so we created base stage and um, but put it into a nightclub so it becomes more like a real concert And I could have the musicians behind me rather than me sort of playing on the end. and you know, all the fans can buy a beer, get a T shirt and, and it feels like a night out, like it, it's like a real you know, like a real show. And so as we were doing that around the US um two thousand nineteen, we went into the studio one night after a show we did in Tampa, uh Tom and part recording studios on the campus. So we went in and, and wrote the song Vultures. Um, and so the idea was kind of like, well, look, well, maybe we'll just offer like a free download with the book. Oh, and then I sent Tom a couple more songs. And he put the lyrics and melodies to that. And so I thought now it's like, okay, well, now we got three songs. <laughs> and, right, right. Um, you know, and then Tom said, he goes, you know, I was you really talking about these F five demos Really like um, some very first songs you guys play, Get In, speak, stuff stuff. he does break together and some stuff. Nineties, he "Why don't you break all that out and let's let's make an album? Let's put that together." And it's funny because one of the songs I had uh was called "Sleeping Giants," and I had no lyrics to it. That's one of the ones I had Tom work on, and. um And, uh, he, he said, he goes, there it is. and sleeping giants.
4: (laughs) These are songs
3: that have just been sleeping in the vault and, and they're great songs and they deserve to to have an audience. So that's, that's really how that came together. So suddenly we had an old book and a sort of a companion solo CD. And, um, of course, Megadeth, we had a big year planned this year with, uh, Ozzy Megadeth tour and Ozzy had to step away from that and postpone that. And then, you know, Dave um, got sick with his with his throat cancer treatments. And so suddenly our whole calendar cleared. I mean, the whole year was wiped out. Right. And I had a, the book and the solo album coming out in, in July. And, and, you know, it was going to land kind of right in the audience work. And so, you know, again, fortunately, through this good fortune here, you know, we had Bay Story. I called Thomas a dude. It's all like our talent is clearing me, like what the base stories it And that's where we it launched. So we had like a, you know, did a full U.S., or mostly a full U.S.
1: And tour and Latin then, America too, right? Italian dates. Yeah.
3: Yeah, the yeah, Italian dates. And then the, you know, the thing with the show with KK fell in. And, and um, you know, and then I just did South America. And, you know, now it looks like I've got probably another trip overseas at some point.
1: Wow, I'm there's, there's just so much stuff going on and I mean I do want to just quickly uh go to the Combat Record thing which you mentioned because you know as a kid that was like a real big label for me, you know, of course the first Megadeth record Agent Steel, I think Raven, Tokyo Blade, so many of the bands I used to love back in that they were on Combat and you basically resurrected Combat. I'm not sure if that's the right term. You brought it back, right? In a number of years ago.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean the catalog. God, you're right. You mentioned those bands. You're right, man. You, you were there, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you just listened to all the bands, um, and you know, and Tom Tom was really in my ear about that. Because to me, I was just you know, me and Dave did not have such a good experience with them because they we were very new label. They didn't have a lot of money, and um, you know, I always it always felt like oil and water between Megadeth and Combat. So we were very happy to get signed to Capitol Records and take that next step up to the major label. Where we you know spent a lot of our you know good portion of our career with. um but uh you know tom just like you said hey that was an important label to me and, and uh, i think fans of my age group like that was the epitome of just and this cool record label for all the pure metal bands so you know the, the catalog had been sold off, so, but so basically we you know the name was available and the brand. So uh, in acquiring that, we relaunched it, and the idea was to relaunch it and we even have like Raven and Hellstar and some some, some of the bands that were on the label we, we put out material. Um And then also to be selective about signing other cool new bands that fit that, because with the under the EMP label, Group umbrella. It's very broad. I mean, we could put anything out under that. We could put out Christian or country or hip-hop represents that. Uh, the idea was to have imprints that would <clears throat> define the genres. And, of course, right. combat, um, you know, defines the thrash, punk you know, that out. So um, what's cool is that Century Media has, uh, which is, you know, Central the Media, the Orchard—they're all under the Sony umbrella, and um, they had reached out to us this, this few months ago because they're reissuing some of the Combat uh, titles. In fact, they're just—we just made an announcement about Exodus, Dark Angel, and, and Possessed. They're reissuing final versions of those records, and so awesome! Uh, it's nice because now we get to put the Combat logo on those leaders. So yeah. You buy it, it looks just like it did when, you know, from, from our era for you and me, you know. So yeah. you buy also. these things, they they are very authentic. And I love that, you know, Mike Gitter over there who's the A&M guy. He actually did a couple of megadeth records with his uh Roadrunner, um, who did um, System of Despair. not I'm not, sorry, um Abomination ending with those records today. So to Mike, to Mike's a friend to the Crash metal and megadeth community for many years. So I was really thrilled when he reached out about this. He's, you know, he's he's one of these guys that, you know, provides like to keep the, the crash metal community together. So we're very honored to have the past and the future now.
1: Absolutely. And you know, I did wanna ask you about a comment that that uh Dave Mustaine made recently that there is there is actually some new Megadeth music being worked on and one of them one of I think he said at least two new songs may feature you on vocals. Is is that something you can confirm?
3: Sure, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's um yeah, we have a handful of tunes, um, that really shaped up well. I mean, we've pretty much shut everything down by the end of July just for Dave to go into his, his cancer treatments and and so we haven't worked really on too much since then, just to give him the time and space to you know, um, you know, go through the process. 'cause right, ramping up out for January to do the you know, and get that tour the Europe that February. But um, yeah, as was when we left the session, um, there was this one riff that I had that Dave really liked, and and it's funny we just started. It just took a really a, a random. Uh, kind of left turn off into this whole other idea. And, you know, and Dave's great at that. I mean, when something catches his his ear, you know, he's really great at casting a vision for it. And so he started talking about uh, an idea for it. And, and so he goes, you know, maybe... And he, even before that, he like, you know, I think... Maybe to the and, um, you know, I've read all the KISS books, of course. And, you know, Ace Frehley talks about that too. Goes, you know, Cause he would write he wrote a lot of really great kissings over the years but he didn't you want know, to sing. Or, you know, he was too shy to sing, him. he didn't feel funny to his words. And finally they made him sing shock me. Right. Know? Yeah. No, you're singing this one. And and I mean, look like at that I mean that's it's, you know, he's our beloved ace, you know, uh, largely because he got on the mic and sang shock Me. So um you know, it's yeah, so it's it's you know, we've we've been working on it. We've demoed it out and it's there and, you know, um, you know, when you make albums you write uh you know, the, the 11, 12 songs you put on a record, often you write 15, 20, 25, 30 songs, you know. Uh, we don't, you know, to write too much extra stuff. we get pretty focused on what we like. And, but yeah, I thought it was very kind of him to mention that because, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun for me. And if out of my on my tour, my solo tour, I've been doing, there's a couple songs that I've been singing. One is a song that I wrote uh, with a friend of mine back in 1993 called You Were God. And, um, I had John Bush sing on the demo of it, That's uh, actually on the Seeky Burns album. And, um, and so live, I've been singing it because it's right in my vocal range and, and it's it's kind of a sweet spot of, of, uh, of my voice. And, and it's it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. And so it's fun to, uh, you know, play that live. There's another, there's an F five song that I wrote, um, started to write it on bass and started to feel pain. We never really did release the thing, so I put it on the Sleeping Giants album, and I've been singing that one as well because it's another one that fits, fits pretty well within my vocal range.
1: Right on, right on. And so the Sleeping Giants album is out, and also you had another album out earlier this year with Frank Bello, Altitude and Attitudes, um, and the picture disc, I think, version of that you just released. That was, that was some good stuff. I mean, it almost... Not, I wouldn't really call it metal. It kind of had this more rock feel about it and great, great stuff. Any future plans with Frank Bello? Yeah,
3: no, I, I agree with you. It's definitely not a metal record. Almost uh, Foo
1: Fighters-esque yeah. or something, you know? It's it really it good. Is. Yeah.
3: Well, and I, I've told the history of this. I've heard this is kind of out there, but, you know, just to say that you and your, your listeners, you know, here is, you know, when we, when we were doing the big four shows, um, I brought Frank over to become a Harkin bass amp in and uh, Mark Mangy, who then, he and I would later go form Metal Allegiance together, um, because Mark's also a bass player, so we, uh, you know, Mark, Mark said, hey, well, I want to do some, some dual bass clinics with you and Bello, you uh, guys the Big Four so we did, we started doing it, and I remember clearly where we were, we were in London. And I said to Frank, I said, dude, we should write some songs so we don't just kind of have to play along and make it up and act like an mp3 or something like that. So I thought well, we could write some tunes together, you know? So um, that's how this whole thing started with l and Attitude And I had written, I had a song that became the song Here Again, off of our which is pretty brassy and meant to be really kind of an instrumental, kind of a clinic backing track, M. We ended up putting vocals on it, to we can a proper song. But uh, Frank sent over um, Blues and cigarettes, and tell the world, like complete verses, melodies, vocals, the whole thing. And you know, then we put drums and bass, and you know, properly recorded them. But the, just the scratch demos that he had from his little Apple Garage Band demos. that he sent over every you could you could hear the song. I mean, there they were. And I was like, holy cow, man, they're just holding inside the, the frame. And I learned he would go down into New York. He still does on a pretty regular basis. And, he sits in and he's sitting uh, on these um,
1: open mic nights and stuff. Yeah. Yeah,
3: the open mic things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, you know, so I, I learned this whole other side to Frank that, you know, I never knew. Um, and, you know, that so our collaboration there is, is, is great. And I mean, look, I think there can certainly be more of it. Our, probably our biggest thing is just finding the time to do it. I mean, that album, we put that EP out, we recorded it. And like a few days, and we put it out in like 2014. 2014? Yeah, and then, you know, we worked the next five years, four years or so. To, I think I think we probably worked on it for about three years to get it done. And then it sort of sat there in the vault for about a year. We were going to put it out in um, 2018, and then Frank got busy. Uh, you know, with Anthrax got called out to do a lot of the Slayer farewell tour, so you know we had to find this little window to put it out. So earlier in 2019, it was perfect, and, and Frank called me one day, said, hey, Slash, I see Slash is going on across Europe, and said, that, that would actually be a good fit for us to be out Slash in So I went down to see Slash, and you know, he might been buddies for years, and, and uh, he came to town, and I went down to to see him and say hello and bring him a bell I'll have some coffee, which is always my, that's like a warming <laughs> right. present. Yes. And, uh, and you know, it's funny, Flash, he asked me, because he, he goes, are there any vocals on this? Like, I think Flash probably thought what most people thought, like, what is this, like two bass players, just like noodling a bass solo? For right, role. right. And, and I said, I said, no, I said, but listen, I said, seriously, give the record a listen, man. It's, it's very different. I think you really like it. And, um, and he did. And, um. And then he was kind enough to put us on a handful of shows over in Europe. And, you know, Flash was so well. I mean, my God, he's most he's famous, not only famous with Parkway, but the most famous people in the world, you know. And, and, you know, people just love him. And they come in with him and Miles. I mean, their new record's great. And, you know, the songs are fantastic. So, yeah, stylistically, it was great. Todd Kearns is bass player, is a good friend of ours. And, so we didn't buy up to dance with songs with us, you know, on a few nights and you we know, together. Again, these collaborative moments, you know, right on, nice and, you know, rock and roll, you know, there's a spirit of rock and roll, man. It's, it's to me, it's, again, I always say they call it claims. It's not working.
1: Right on, right on. Altitudes and attitude again with Frank Bello and Dave Ellison, and, uh, Dave we we've spoken about the books, the music, let's end with the movie. <laughs> um yeah. Dwellers, man, let tell us about this. So if if writing books and making tons of music wasn't enough, you also are producing, directing a movie. What's going on with this movie Dwellers?
3: Yeah, so our friend Drew Fortier, yeah, uh, he had done a a documentary movie on Ben Tingo. And that's how he and I Tom knew him and um and so we became friends, and uh, I love Drew. He's a—he's like me. He's a kid from the Midwest. He went out to L.A. for a for a season. You know, he probably got his ass kicked and got his feet wet in the music business, like we all do when you leave the Midwest, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and so he, he he has this real talent for for writing and directing these horror films. And so Dwellers has kind of been—we call it sort of in the Blair Witch sort of gray. homemade. Uh, you know, video you know, uh, video footage concept style. And and so the film is, is really cool. It's about uh a team of people that go out to investigate these missing homeless people and a little town in the Midwest and they themselves did missing as well. And uh it's 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 cool. It's creepy, it's eerie and um and so that's that set in motion, you know, the Ellison Films production house and I think a lot like me, me and people do you know people are coming to us to help release their films you know? so wow um it's, yeah so it's you know these things you know like I say in my book just say yes you know when the phone rings the email shows up just say yes you don't have to know the end game sometimes you just, it's just
1: it's all about starting the game, you know? right on well dave you're an inspiration to us man and and thank you for giving us all this new music and books and, and just through the years you've you've always been there for us with your music so uh, we appreciate that and we wish you the best of luck and yeah man keep us posted on a, a K.K. Downing uh, <laughs> tour I, I, I gotta yeah. see that I'd love that
3: <laughs> you're very welcome you'll be one of the first to know so uh, well thanks Mark I appreciate it Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays
1: yeah Merry Christmas to you and uh, we hope to see you in, in 2020 sounds
3: good see you then
1: bye bye again, by Altitudes and Attitude, featuring Frank Bellow and Dave Ellefson of Megadeth. Big thanks to Dave for joining us today on the Talking Metal podcast. Again, we are hanging with Tommy London. Tommy? Hey. I don't think, I. Have, now have we met before? I I, uh, yeah, we've met, I yeah. think, yeah, a few yeah. times. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I know you know Emily, my yeah. wife. Yes. Yeah, she's great. So. And I did
2: a uh, podcast with you before with her. Yes, yeah. yes.
1: So she interviewed you guys on our sister podcast, I believe it was Talking Rock. Yes. Now we have you on Talking Metal. Yeah, And uh, a lot of stuff to talk to you about, but first of all, as an Iron Maiden fanboy, you got to interview Steve Harris, oh, man. a guy who doesn't really do many interviews right. recently. Now, this was for SiriusXM, Ozzy's Boneyard? For Ozzy's or? Boneyard, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a DJ
2: on there, right. and, as yeah. well as Hair Nation, but right. yeah, Ozzy's Boneyard. Um, and so how Steve, did that come about? Well, the, my, the, the manager of the channel just said uh, Steve's out promoting a British Lion, which is a side project he right. has. Yes. And uh, he was going to be in town if I wanted to interview him. And, of course, I said yes. And he was a great guy, man. He was really, really a cool dude. It was, it was a thrill for me t- to meet, I mean, the legendary basis of Iron Maiden. Right. So yeah,
1: absolutely. And this was up at the Sirius Studios in Midtown yeah, it was. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah Sirius. Cool. And now you've been on Sirius, I think, uh, since early this year, right?
2: Yeah, it started in January. I um, did a test show for them back in uh, october november november yeah and they aired it on thanksgiving weekend that's when i knew i got the job okay and i was thrilled
1: cool cool and what is it it's set times right it's weekend times
2: yeah Yeah, so i'm on hair nation on uh in the mornings on saturday sunday right and i'm on Ozzy's bone yard saturday sunday nights
1: okay cool and those are two stations that i listen to frequently and the steve (laughs) the steve harris interview um I think I was telling you, I was looking for it on demand, and I didn't see it. Now I
2: heard, it wasn't, and now I heard that it is. Oh, okay. I just told well, I gotta you go can't find it that. on demand now yet.
1: Okay, awesome. Awesome. So let's talk about you, though. Let's, All right. Let's, uh, let's go back. Now, the first, I think I kind of became aware of you, was the Dirty Pearls. Right. Or or maybe it was before
2: them. Where Musically, what were you doing before
1: the Dirty Pearls?
2: Well, I had, I, I'm... Born in Queens, right, and I was raised outside of Philly. Okay, and I moved here back to New York for right. music. I mean, okay. I have family here. My, right. it, my 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 real family's in Pennsylvania, but it's two okay. hours away. So was, you know, right. and I've always been in love with New York City. Right on. And when I moved here years ago, it, it felt nothing has ever felt more right than when my feet hit the pavement here. And I. And knew when did it. you move here? Our early two thousands. Okay, gotcha. And uh, I was try, I tried out for all these bands. Right at the time, Village Voice was a rele- was like a relevant thing. As yeah. in, if you're not familiar, oh, it's yeah. a free newspaper in New yes. York City. Yep, I know. Uh, well. With the classifieds in the back, where where all bands would would find each other uh, right. before Craigslist was like a thing. Right, you know? it, yep. it was actually on the cusp. I think at the same time because yeah. I was looking on there for ads as well. Right, and I tried out for all these bands. Yeah, and uh, as none a of the singer. Yeah, yeah. and uh, none none of them um, were working out. It was like it was just right. the stories were crazy the way they were. These auditions went down. I could write a book just about that alone. Yeah. And I was getting very frustrated. And I realized that fr- even when I, before I moved here, I had never joined a band in my life. I always formed them. Right, 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 right. So I was like, well, maybe I need to get back to square one and just right. form a band. Yeah. But it was a little tougher because I wasn't really meeting a lot of people of similar interests at the time, at least not yet. Yeah. So it was, it was hard for anyone to even believe in me. Right. Being, I haven't even played a room here. Um, and that's where a lot I would lose a lot of interest from people. Oh, well, what have you done in New York? Oh, nothing. And and they would walk away. And I was like, Wow, this is going to be a hard sell here, yeah. right? Sure, sure, sure. So um, I formed a band with some guys um, outside of New York. Okay. We were called Great Jones, great Jones. and we did a great. Sure. And we did a couple shows. We did a few shows. Oh, and sure. doing, yeah, we did a continental. And 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 doing those shows and playing with all the bands. That was the best way to meet the other bands okay. and the people. Right. Uh, and when that band ran its course, um, well, right. actually, when it was done, I got called to audition for the show In Excess Rockstar.
1: Oh, I remember that. remember yeah, that yeah, show? Yeah. Ro- uh, Ro- what was the guy who won? Lucas, uh, did you, I forget Lu- the guy's no, name. No, I, I don't know. But yeah, I know, who, I know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, that was... Yeah, there was two series. There was two seasons of it. In excess right. was the first season, it was the first and then season. like Tommy Lee and right, uh, and it was Dave like a super Navarro group the second season. Might even right, be called right, right. that or something. Yeah. Supernova. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's what it was called. Yes, yes, I was on that one. I was yeah. on the In excess one. Right, the In one. Right.
2: And they saw me play somewhere, and they asked me to audition. And okay. the audition at the time was at it's Probably like the last year they were probably even open. Right. At CB's. Right. And um, I would go to the audition, and they sent me to LA, and I, uh, <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I didn't even want to make the show i didn't even want to make the band or anything right i just wanted a free trip to la i yeah. was like oh i'll go see my friends I'm there for a week right right, right. But when i got there they wouldn't let anyone leave their rooms wow it was really strict reality show type of a thing right. where no interaction with anyone huh it was really crazy and i remember being stuck in the room and like just um not depressed but just kind of like man it's a bummer i didn't want to <laughs> do yeah. all this stuff but while i was in there I started writing a list of all the people I've met in other bands that I would love to form my own supergroup with. Right. And I said, when I get out of here and I go back to New York, I'm forming this band.
1: And these were people that you had met in the New York scene? Yeah, in the scene.
2: Yeah. At least two of them. Yeah. The, the two, well, I should say at least the two guys that ended up being in the band with me. Right. And uh, that was the early formation of the Dirty Pearls.
4: Right. Okay. I
2: had Marty E on my list who was yeah. on the drums, and I had a guy named Johnny B on guitar who was on my list. Right. And as soon as I got back, which I didn't make the NXS, thank God. Right. I went back. <laughs> thank God. I'm so grateful. I didn't, really. Wow. Yeah. I didn't want to do yeah. it. I mean, I just yeah. it, the experience was fun. I got to jam with the NXS. Yeah. That's cool. I do love the band. Yeah. You know? But um, I didn't. That wasn't for me. I wanted my own thing. You know. Yeah. So, anyhow, I, I get back and I um, I tracked down these guys and um, it was a little hard of a sell, but it finally worked out. And, and then we started a band. We found the other the other cats.
1: Right on. And Marty um, always loved his drumming style, yeah. and, and he's, he's left New York now? Is that, y- yeah, yeah, he so was my like
2: Keith Richards in the Dirty Pearls, I yeah. guess you could say. Uh, yeah, Marty moved to Michigan.
1: Wow, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. And so the Dirty Pearls goes from, what, 2007, 2000?
2: Yeah, our first EP came out in 2007. Right. And then we went to about, we had 15, different formations of the band, two, different... Yeah. You know, Spinal Tap always had different drummers. We had right. different guitar players. Right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, we had uh, two guitar players and two again. Then it was down to one. Um, and I, I guess 2000. Wow, now you make me think. I guess about 2015, right. and then I, 2015, I think, and I believe, and then I went solo or 16, maybe 16. Right, okay. Um, Marty was doing a side project where he was singing. Uh, our bass player at the time was doing another band, and uh, I was just like, you know what? I got all these songs that I don't think are Dirty Pearls-esque songs, Right. so I think it's time for me to, to take this and do my own side project thing. Right on. And uh, I I, mean, I went individually to each band member and told them I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And I say, let's put the Dirty Pearls on the back burner for a bit. I, I want to experience other people like you guys are and other right. things, you know. And they all agreed, and we all did our own thing, and... Um, and I've, I've still been doing it. Now I have an album, a solo record that I did, and it's going to come out this year, spring.
1: Right. Oh, cool, cool. I was That was a question, because yeah. I know you've released a bunch of singles over the past year Yeah. so. So a full-length out full length so, Tommy London album is yeah, on the way. Yeah, so
2: I had the cool. album done. It's been in the can for a while. Uh, it's produced by uh, John Fields, uh, who has done uh, Jimmy Eat World in pink, and uh, okay. my guitar player, Matt oh, Hogan. Wow. Cool. Uh, they, they both produced the record. Right. And, um, yeah, we've had it done for a bit, and we were shopping it around, and... It's just it's just a so it's a weird climate for I don't know record deals and, right. and rock and and pop it's kind of rock pop or rock and roll uh, yeah so I you know we, we were putting out the singles one by one because uh, I also feel that people's attention spans are so short anymore that yes. it's back to the '50s where it's just the song move on right. to the next song right move on to the next song. And but now it's led up where it's time to put the record out. So right be, on. Be releasing on my Cool. Own. Well, let's
1: talk a little bit more about your your solo album that's going to be coming out. But before we do that, I do want to play some music by the Dirty Pearls. Yeah, Who's coming, coming back, back to who everybody. from like 2012? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. The Dirty Pearls on Talking Metal. Pearls here on Talking Metal, and we are hanging with Tommy London, who was in the Dirty Pearls. That album, whether you like it or not, and again, the song was Who's Coming Back to Who. And i got to ask you, who's that cover model on that album? Wow. <laughs> well, that's a funny
2: story. You know, I forget her name. Um, yeah. I, we were the
1: picture is so hot,
2: man. Yeah, it was like yeah, it's, it's a really sexy like shot. It's like, I think it was uh, taken in Soho, because okay. you can tell by the by the brick, brick on, of, the street. on the streets, yeah. 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 Um, we, my manager at the time was running Don Hills. You remember the, the infamous yeah, Don Hills in New York City? Yep. And we would meet there. For, it was cool. We would meet there for rehearsals and right meetings. On. It was like a clubhouse of sorts for the band. And they were installing all these pictures, new okay. pictures on the wall, photographs. Right. That photograph was one that was on. It just came in. There was a whole shipment of these photographs they were going to put on the wall. Right. And I was going through them, and I saw this photograph, and I was like, this is the album cover. Yeah, and I turned to my manager. I said, "Who is this photographer? Get right. us the rights for this picture." Wow! And um, he did. And the photographer was so thrilled that he just gave us the rights for the picture. Nice, yeah. And then um, we called the album "Whether You Like It or Not."
1: Yeah, great stuff. And you mentioned that the Tommy London full-length album is coming out. Tell us again. We're looking at what 2020, obviously at this point for that. Yeah, it's when- gonna.
2: It's probably gonna come out in May 2020. It's gonna be okay. called Emotional Fuse. Cool. It's going to be the name of the record. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've released three singles off it already. Right. And there's seven more on the record. Right. You just released Boom, Boom, Boom. Boom, Boom, Boom.
1: And Sugar Red came out, what, like. Uh, Sugar Red was this? the first thing I put out. Right. That
2: was last year, uh, January, February last right. year. And then I put out Make You Love Me. Okay. And now it led up to Boom, Boom, Boom. And, and I'll probably drop another single before the record comes out.
1: Cool. And then full length, what are we talking? Like 10 songs or something? Ten so? songs. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I really think the Talking Metal listeners would dig this. And uh, we actually I think played this on the Talking Rock podcast when you were on with yeah. Emily. But this is Sugar Red by Tommy London here on Talking Metal. She's a
2: one-way rocket ship, running move Keeps going all night till she's out of fuel. Feel the Venus heat.
1: We are hanging with Tommy London here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and this this neighborhood you have quite a history with this neighborhood. You yeah. booked bands and clubs here. You did you did you bartend for a while? Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. So this neighborhood. I mean, I played my first gig right across the street. At what the was that? Spiral. Yeah, was- Spiral. Yeah. yeah, which is no longer. I couldn't there. remember the I name. I used to play gigs that at a place called, called Meow Mix, which yep. may have been. Like right in this location, uh,
2: it's actually a block up from a here. A block
1: up, all these places are gone. You've seen, I mean, since you've been here, this neighborhood's changed quite a bit. Yeah. How, how does that make you feel? Uh. I mean, everything in New York always changes, but it it seems like it's big change these past yeah, ten fifteen years. I have a theory here.
2: that you have to roll with the changes. Yeah. Or the changes roll over you. I like that. Yeah. And as much as. I don't like some of the changes, and it's right. an unfortunate acceptance that I guess you have to deal with. Right. Um, there's a, like, I, I, the, the, you mentioned the, the, the shows I put together. So I put yeah. the, uh, at Arlene's Grocery, which is still right. there, it's been there forever, and it's such a great venue, and they really are about the music, and I do I do shows, parties there every month, uh, which also feature Frank Ferrer from Guns N' Roses, mm-hmm. he's always part of the parties, too. And, uh, you know, trying to keep that spirit alive down here of the local bands and the rock and roll scene. And right. There's a few other venues that still do that, Barry Electric, and a few others that still, you know, are in in that, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, circle of, 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 I guess, of the local music scene. Right. Um, but very rare and few. And uh, in the changes that are around here, they do just <laughs> sometimes drive me crazy. Like on a weekend, it's hard for me to walk around the Lower East Side, like... Right. Saturday night, I'll have to stay away. Right. And I, I, live down here. Yeah. I live a little bit off of the cusp of where all the action's at. Okay. So it, it, I guess it's kind of like a cool. Like I live actually there's a bunch of art studios and stuff. So there's still that um, feeling of what the Lower East Side used to be. Where I'm at, but right on. in the pulse of things, it's it's, it's Disney World. I got you. <laughs> and and back to back to the the
1: album. When when it comes out, are you planning to do? touring i mean is that something you're looking to do or is it more local shows what's the plan uh,
2: i'll probably do some regional touring I've, I've, i hit the road with the pearls before and right. i would love to hit the road with the solo record But at the end of the day it just comes down to money and making it happen right you know right. Uh, i'll probably hit um looking at vegas okay. la uh of course and then the tri-state area uh, philly jersey new york and then we'll see what else from in between from that
1: right on Right now. And now I know you're a big uh, David Lee Roth fan I love him. and Van Halen yeah. and I wanted to ask you your opinion on uh, what's going on now with David Lee Roth doing the Vegas thing, because you just mentioned Vegas. Yeah, yeah it, I'm going it, out it, to that actually. Oh, are you? Yeah, oh, I we you gotta wait. let us know how it is. <laughs> yeah, because I, can't wait. I I um it seems right. I mean I guess if for me personally, if Van Halen isn't gonna be doing anything, which there's that's a whole other can of worms, we've got yeah. rumors and stuff, but I don't know. It kind of seems like a good place for David to end up at this stage in his life. I mean, what are your thoughts right. on that?
2: Well, Dave did Vegas before. Do you remember that? Vaguely.
1: Yeah, yeah he yeah. did it
2: in um, mid to late, mid-90s, I believe. Okay. I wasn't in New York yet, so I remember right. watching it on Jay Leno. Wow, he was promoting okay. it. right? And he was doing it. It wasn't really a big rock show like he's doing now. It was right. more of a, uh, I don't know, a very Vegasy type show, you know, like a bunch of cover songs and um dancing girls and things like that and and in his defense he was doing that before all these residencies started popping up and making Vegas cool again a matter of fact when Dave did it a lot of people made fun of it oh he's done he's doing Vegas and it's funny how that kind of turned where you're not done if you're doing Vegas now it's almost like uh it's part of the career path now um so for him to go back to to Vegas, yeah, it does make sense because Vegas is all about the big show, and Dave Lee Roth is the big show.
1: Right on. But You're when I like did
2: that. hear that he was doing Vegas, uh, which was what in, uh, September October, whenever that got announced, yeah. I knew that Van Halen was done. Right. Because Dave Lee Roth's not going to do a solo thing and jeopardize the band. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I
1: mean. it is interesting how he stayed quiet all that time. Uh, Surprising, you know, while, while yeah, while, <laughs> while stuff was going on, and we can only speculate what what's up with Eddie Van Halen. I mean, there's right. been rumors, but there's been no official uh, announcement from him, and I think it's fair to respect his privacy. No, I yeah, but yeah. you
2: know who's always—I'm a huge Van Halen fan. It's yeah. like a, it's almost like a UFO conspiracy with Van yeah. Halen, right? Right. So I have a do have a few conspiracy theories about Van Halen, and I will tell you the one guy to always listen to.
4: Who's
1: that?
2: Sammy Hagar. Yeah. And I'll tell you why, because out of all the members of the band, Sammy's always a straight shooter, and he's honest. Right. And you can read between the lines with Sammy. Yeah. Like, when Sammy said recently, hey, I'd like to do one show with the band, Van Halen, let's just do one last show together. Right. I underlined the, the, the word last. Yeah. What do you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, That's, it's interesting. Why
2: didn't you say tour? Why'd you say one show?
1: Right. You know? Yeah. It
2: just made me think. Yeah. Maybe I'm reading into, maybe I'm reading into it too much. But yeah.
1: Well, obviously, we hope Eddie Van Halen is, yeah, I uh, hope he's is, okay. is and doing okay. And, yeah. Yeah.
2: I like yeah. to think he is.
1: And other big news, I'm sure you've been on Hair Nation and Ozzy's Boneyard, you're you're kind of uh, hearing a lot of stuff about the Motley Crew reunion right. thing, which, you know, they, they signed these contracts a number of years ago saying they were never going to tour again, and... And here they are back. And I, my, my opinion, and I want to hear yours on it, was, you know, I, at first I was kind of like, hey, I paid all that money to go see them and, at MSG, and I was, like, yeah. all tearing up on their last time I saw them there, and here, now they're coming back. Initially I was kind of like, "Like what the hell? And now I'm kind of like, yeah, but I'm ready to see them again, you know? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so so what, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I think um, the one thing that was interesting about the contract, the way I understood it, right. Was that they would? That the contract stated they would never tour under the Motley Crew moniker without all four guys. Right. I I never took it as they would never tour again. I okay. always took it as they called it the final tour because maybe they're calling it quits. But the one thing too is, <laughs> it's, I had someone write me going, "This is bullshit." Uh, I paid all this money for all this merchandise, and right. I said, "Well, now it's worth even more." Right on. Because <laughs> it wasn't the final tour, shit. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, i and, and the other thing, too, is what, what the Who, the Stones, Nine Inch Nails, Kiss, and yeah. uh, the Eagles. I'm sure the list goes on. How many bands have, have gotten back in the ring? Right. You know? I remember uh, the
1: final Who tour when I was like 11 years old in <laughs> 1982. It was like, this is it. And they're this still is, doing yeah, it with yeah, yeah, just two guys, doing, yeah, you know?
2: Yeah. Um, so I'm happy that they're back. You right. know, I, I, I'm a big crew fan. And I, I always wondered why they were stopping anyway. But, I mean, I don't know if they're going to do new music. I haven't heard anything about that. I think this is just like. Right. And you know what? I mean, When's they've never done stadiums. At least it, maybe yeah. a festival in Europe. But how do yeah. you say no to that dangling carrot? Like, right. I'm sure they offered him a boatload of money. Yeah. and said, you're going to do stadiums. For like the first time in your life you're doing a stadium tour in the States. Right. How do you not get back in the saddle? Yeah. I mean, I would. Yeah, and you I know mean, what's funny? They're, Anybody who millions critiques and millions it would—they're doll- yeah. lying, right? Any any fan who says they're bitter and pissed off is full of shit because right. they would do the same thing in the same boat. If somebody
1: dangles millions of dollars in no front way. of your face—you're going to take it, yeah. And
2: as long as they're still able to do it, right. Like, it, it, there's no way. So right it, that when I look at it in, in that light, I'm kind of like, hey, man, go for it. But I wasn't—I uh, wasn't aware it was a co-headline tour. I just—I y- didn't realize that at first. Yeah,
1: so I guess it's uh, Joan Jet. Poison, yeah. Def Leppard, and Motley Crue. Yeah. It sounds like Def Leppard and Motley Crue will switch off headlining yeah. from night to night. So yeah, that'll be fun. I wonder We're if Tommy Lee will
2: do something with those drums again because yeah, he's always got to outdo himself. Yeah,
1: they mentioned that he is working on, working something, on something that'll cool. be even bigger than before. Wow! So, wow. <laughs> yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll we'll see. We uh, we are encouraging all the listeners to catch up with you on SiriusXM, both Hair Nation and Ozzy's Boneyard. Yeah. Your music uh, We heard some of it today We want people to uh, Check it out When it drops in May You said the full length Full album Four Three No Four songs up on, on I have three uh, Three songs three, up now Three And another one may drop Before the album I'll probably drop
2: yeah. one Before the album
1: Right uh, hits. To take us out Why don't we hit A little Motley Crue Any uh, suggestions
2: Any, A request Yeah You know what? I love uh, You know my favorite I love, I love Wild Side Yeah That's let's do it
1: Wild Side Tommy thank you so much For joining us here On Talking Metal
2: Thanks for having me